What's up, everybody? This is Anthony from Texas Blues Alley, and you're listening to the Setlist Podcast, which is an audio podcast that I originally started back in uh, summer of 2016 as a way to give fans of Texas Blues Alley something to listen to on their commutes or whenever they have some time to listen, and they don't really feel like watching video or studying. And then a funny thing happened in March of 2017. I just kind of stopped doing it. I was in the middle of preparing the uh, Texas Blue Speed Workshop, which was a fantastic set of courses that I published in summer of 2017, but somewhere in the middle of publishing those courses, I just kind of lost the um, motivation to do this podcast, and so I just stopped. But every day when I go to Texas Blues Alley and I look at the set list page and I see the podcast, there's that date, March 8th, 2017, and I'm reminded of the podcast I once had. So I'm going to make an effort to start doing this again. And uh, this episode, I'm basically just going to talk about something that I have been working on, oh, I don't even know how long. Must be about six months at least, and that is a major update to the uh, Pro Player software that I use for our locals. So there's going to be a lot of nerd talk in this one. If that's not your thing, I totally understand. Uh, for those of you who are not into nerd talk, let me just give you a few music recommendations right up front. That way you can stop listening. Okay, so what's the first one? First one, uh, check out the Rival Sons. Most recent album, which is called Feral Roots, I believe. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Feral Roots. It is not. Um, it is not my favorite Rival Sons album, but it is solid from start to finish. Um, worth it to check it out. Another thing you can check out is um, there is a guitarist and singer in Austin, Texas, named Eric Tesmer who is an absolute monster on guitar, but he put out a single called Good So Bad a, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. I don't know exactly when it came out. Actually, maybe it was last year. It's a fantastic song. It is about as good an example of uh, good songwriting that comes from a blues foundation without being itself an out-and-out blues song. So Good So Bad by Eric Tesmer. I'm going to have links for all of these albums and songs on the uh, episode page for this one, which you can find at texasbluesalley.com slash setlist slash podcast slash 10. And then the last recommendation that I will make is the album called Sweet Release, which is the Reese Winans covers album that was produced by Joe Bonamassa. So Reese Winans, as you may know, was the keyboard player for Steve Ray Vaughan in Double Trouble. He has worked with an amazing array of artists over the years, and uh, he put together a list of his favorite songs that he played while he was with these various acts, and then he got like um, the most unbelievable list of artists to come in and play on this album and uh, whenever you hear about like uh, a keyboard player who has always been in kind of a supporting role putting together a compilation album where they're kind of the feature thing 
My expectation was it's probably going to be a pretty enjoyable album, but I was absolutely blown away. This could be, in my opinion, the blues album of the year for 2019. It is better than we deserve, and some of the performances on it are just amazing. So those are my three music recommendations. Check them out. And uh, now we're going to get into the nerd talk, talking about Pro Player version 7. So the idea to uh, kind of rewrite the Pro Player uh, with a different framework, I'm not sure exactly what the original idea was, but I believe it had something to do with the desire to be able to play YouTube videos in the Pro Player. And... um, I've already had the capability of displaying a YouTube video as long as it was part of some other piece of content in the pro player. Like um, some of my free lesson videos are already hosted on YouTube and uh, you've always been able to play those in the pro player. But what I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to give people the ability to uh, actually search and find a video on YouTube and just play it in the pro player, whether it was related to a piece of our content or not, thereby giving them the ability to study any video that they could find. Now, I was able to hack this capability in fairly easily, um, but because the pro player was originally written um, as part of a longer process to build the locals program, I built it in the most straightforward, obvious way that I could, which is basically every video that you went to in every part of a course was a full page refresh. And it basically was a, the whole application was contained in that one page. There was no remote loading of different stuff. So it wasn't designed as a very flexible framework. It was more of kind of like a brute force. Everything loads with this page. And that came with um, the advantage that it was easy for me to keep track of everything, but it came with the disadvantage that it wasn't very easy to extend that to have other capabilities. And over the years, I have hacked in things like instant loops and a favorites browser and a content browser. And um, as I added some of these things in, I started to try and add a little bit of modularity But when it came down to the core idea of the player being able to load some piece of content, it just wasn't able to do that unless that content originated from something related to a course or another video on Texas Blues Alley. Um, So when I had this idea that I was going to make it possible to watch any YouTube video using the Pro Player, that's when I knew the time has come for me to rewrite this thing using a little bit more of... um, kind of an object-oriented approach. So the basic idea behind what has changed is that now when you first load the Pro Player, it loads essentially the skeleton of the application. And then after that, what it does depends entirely on what action you've taken. So the first time you load it, it just displays a welcome page. Um, After that, when you select a course or a browser or something like that, all of that is done with what they call um, the asynchronous uh, Java, the Ajax stuff. And so when you load a course, it's no longer refreshing the entire page. 
which means that all of the HTML for the page itself, all of the JavaScript, all the styles, they are only loaded once, and that is the first time you load the player. After that, when you load a course, the only thing that's being loaded is information about that course. And whenever you load a piece of a course, like a video, an MP3 or sound slice, the only thing that is loaded is information about that specific item. It doesn't have to reload the entire page, doesn't have to reload all that JavaScript, all that CSS. And so the end result of all of this is that because it's loading the bare minimum amount of information each time, everything is a lot faster. Um, that was the uh, result I was hoping for, uh, but I didn't really know until I kind of finished enough of it to know that, yes, this was going to be a huge speed up. Uh, so the other advantage is that now, because everything is more modular and more flexible, it is now a little bit of a smarter application in that it knows what it has loaded and it is able to dump what it has loaded and still exist as an application. Before, the Pro Player as an application didn't even really exist unless there was something loaded. It had no concept of it was an application separate from the content. The application was the content, if that makes any sense. And now, the Pro Player as an application is happy to exist with nothing loaded and I, it can load a course, it can load a course and a video, it can load some random YouTube video, or it can load the default page, and it is happy to load and dump all of that stuff depending on what you do. And so uh, now that I have that, uh, it opened up the door for me to add that YouTube capability. So now in the Pro Player, someone can go into our browser and they can actually search for a YouTube term and it'll bring back a list of results. And when they load it, it'll just load that video into the Pro Player and now they can use slow motion. They can use lefty view. They can use video zoom and they can do A-B looping. And uh, part of why I didn't add this feature until I rewrote the player was because eventually what I want to make it possible to do is for somebody to load a YouTube video and then save that into a piece of content on Texas Blues Alley where they can add their own instant loops, their own chapter markers, their own comments, and all of that will live just inside the Texas Blues Alley ecosystem so that as a member of the locals now, you can build up your own kind of collection of uh, annotated YouTube videos that you can use for studying. Um, and the new framework that I've come up with for the entire player is going to make that a lot easier. Uh, one of the other things that I developed in the process of building uh, this kind of remake of the pro player was this idea of stacking instant loops. So back in 2016, I think it might have been one of the first big updates to the pro player after I initially launched it, and that was uh, I went through and pre-programmed individual loops around all of the different licks in all of the different videos for all of my courses, and then you could just basically loop over any lick in a course with a single click. And uh, since that feature came out, the most consistent request that I've had related to that is it sure would be nice to kind of check on multiple instant loops and loop over all of them. 
and I kind of put it off and I kind of put it off because I didn't have, like I said before version seven, the pro player, the content was the application. Uh, there wasn't any data structure behind the scenes keeping track of chapters. It was all just there in the HTML list. Well, part of what's changed with version 7 is that now everything you see in the interface exists because some data structure behind the scenes is storing that information and then just pushing it to the interface to reflect that. That way I can manipulate those data structures behind the scenes and then refresh the interface to match. And so now there is a list of loops in memory. It's a JavaScript object with an array and all this kind of stuff. And now what I can do is I can toggle them on and off individually and create essentially a stacked loop. And um, I've had about 20 different locals testing this for about a month. And um, some of the refinements that I've made is that now it will only allow you to stack loops that are connected. Uh, so if there's a video where there's like uh, some demonstrations that are all over, there's nothing about the instant loops list that requires them to be connected. So what you'll see is in some videos, uh, I have a loop for this section here, then a loop for something else here, and then a loop around the whole thing. So instant loops that are in that list, they can exist anywhere in the video. So it doesn't really make sense to be able to stack every item that you see in that list because they may or may not be in sequential order in the actual video. So I wrote a little algorithm in response to people's questions about this. And now the algorithm will detect if in order for a loop to be stackable, it has to be part of at least three loops that are sequential in the timeline with no more than like a second and a half between them. And so what happens is that for a regular demonstration video, as you would expect, where all the loops are more or less connected, all of them are stackable. For a lesson video where it follows our normal format uh, demonstration, slow motion demonstration, then a breakdown, it doesn't make sense for any of those loops to be stackable because they're not part of a continuous playing. They're just different sections of, the, of a lesson video. But the exception is lesson videos where I do have sequential instant loops for part of an overall piece. So the best example is like a rhythm course where I'm teaching a full 12 bar rhythm, but I teach it in sections. So I have bars one through four, bars five through eight, bars nine through 12. And I have those as individual loops taken out of the entire overall demonstration. Because of the algorithm that I wrote now, if it detects those three or four loops as being connected, it will enable stacking just for those, but not for anything else that's not connected. So what that, that makes it extremely simple for people who are using it now, if they see loops that are stackable, that means that it will make sense to stack them. Um, then the other thing people asked about once they were testing this is, okay, what if I'm in a demonstration of a solo where there's like 30 licks and I want to, or let's say it's a single chorus that has like 20 licks or a single part of a solo that has 20 licks and I just want to loop over that chorus, it's kind of annoying to have to hit the plus button next to 20 different licks. And so as it turns out, um, your their first suggestion was, 
it would be nice if you could shift click on the last loop that you want to include and it would select all of them. The problem is a lot of people use the Pro Player on iPads and on uh, phones and there's no concept of shift click there. And what I realized is that uh, I could simply write an algorithm to detect when somebody toggles on an instant loop, meaning they want to stack it, I basically scan up through the list and I scan down through the list and I try and find the next attached already turned on loop. So it scans up through the list. It first looks, is this next loop above me uh, stackable, meaning is it connected to me? And if it is, is it already checked? So let's say that you had clicked uh, loop number one and you turn that one on. Then you go down and you click on loop number 10. It's going to scan up from 10 all the way to one. It's going to detect that these loops are connected, but it's only when it gets to lick number one that it determines this one is connected, but it is also enabled. It's also checked. And what it does then is it just turns on everything in between. So you literally can select any range of connected loops with two clicks. Just click the first one, click the last one, it'll select everything in between. And it even works if you go in the opposite direction. So if you start with lick number five and you go down and you toggle on lick number 10, it'll select all the loops in between. And let's say you want to then add everything in between. You could go back to lick number one, toggle that one on, and it'll just continue adding to that kind of stacked loop. And the super easy way to clear it is just to regular click on any one of the licks in that range. So in using this, it it's actually quite slick. I've had a lot of, whoop, I accidentally turned it on there. I think it's going to be a big hit because uh, one of the things that I try and encourage people to do is when they're learning a solo, um, don't just learn lick after lick after lick and then go all the way to the end because you'll have forgotten what you learned at the beginning. It's important to go back and start integrating what you've learned before. But uh, a lot of people who are members are dealing with a very limited time frame that they have to study and uh, anything that I can do to make that process easier is uh, going to go a long way to helping them get more out of the program. So uh, the YouTube import and the loop stacking, those are the big new features. Um, and then as I was getting ready to re release it, I realized uh, I have no way of kind of getting information to people uh, about things that have been updated. Um, so we've got the locals forums now. That's something we added in January. But Surprise, surprise, not everybody goes to the forums. I've not had forums on Texas Blues Alley for a long time, so people are not used to going there for information. Um, so there are some locals who literally their only interaction with their membership is to come to the site and open the pro player. And so what I did is I built a little notification system that will basically show a tabbed list of announcements on the home page of the pro player. One tab will be just regular announcements that pertain to the Locals program at large. And the other one is course updates, because since I added the Locals forums, one of the most valuable things that I found is that people could give me feedback about courses, that uh, things they wish were better. Um, 
The first example is somebody requested super long versions of the backing tracks for all the Solo Matrix courses. It is something I had never thought of, but it made perfect sense. So I went through and all but one of those courses using, uses a repeating progression. So I was able to make 15 to 20 minute long versions of those backing tracks. And so for people in the forums, they found out about it. But people who were just using those courses, I still don't know if they found them. But now with version 7 of the Pro Player, I have this notification thing so that I can put a list of things that have been updated about courses. And the first time they open the player, it'll be right there. They can see it. Um, another thing that I added was uh, somebody requested the ability to tune their guitar because they're so often switching back between standard and E flat. So I built a little tuner application that opens in the Pro Player. It doesn't interfere with whatever you're studying. It just opens on top. And then when you close it, you're right back to where you were. And you basically can tune to standard E flat or D. It's not something where it's listening to your microphone or anything like that. It simply just plays reference pitches for all the strings in those different tunings. Uh, another thing that I did was... Um, this goes to show how bad at promotion I am. Back when I did the Texas Blue Speed Workshop course, I actually built an online tool to help you do your spider drills. Uh, those are the drills where you're putting your fingers in different combinations across the fretboard. And I built this very cool online tool that shows dots going across the strings and everything like that. But I had already spent all of my energy promoting the course, and this tool didn't come out until like a few weeks later, and it was only going to be available for the locals, and a bunch of people had bought the course outright. And so I just kind of stuck it in there and emailed the locals and told them it was in there. But hardly anybody has found this thing. Now it is a top-level tool that you can open from any course. You just open the tools menu, spider drills tool and it opens right there you can practice your spider drills you know as kind of a warm-up and then get right back to whatever course you were studying so that is something where i've kind of promoted that tool to kind of the top level now so people can actually find it uh let's see anything else that has changed here i think everything else is the same but uh it has been a bigger project than I anticipated, but also with a much better end product than what I was hoping for. Everything is super fast. It looks great. The new features that I've put in are as good, if not better than what I expected. And even some surprises along the way, like the guitar tuner. Um, so anyway, that is what my life off camera has been like for the past probably six months working on this. Uh, it's going to be released next Monday. Uh, May 6th. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. It's uh, part of what makes me love this job is I get to really nerd out with this programming stuff and help people get better at guitar and learn faster uh, at the same time. So anyway, that is podcast, Setlist Podcast Episode 10, wrapping up. Um, I hope you enjoyed this nerdery. I'll try and pick something a little bit more guitar related next time, but this is my life. Off camera, this is the stuff that you don't see when I'm teaching a lesson, but this is how the bacon is made, as they say. So enjoy your day. Thanks for listening.